learn to take my own advice. Love alone is worth the fight. Love alone is worth the fight. And I never thought I'd come to this, but it seems like I'm finally feeling numb to this. The funny thing about a name is you forget what the reason you were playing the game is, and it's all an illusion. First century institution. So I'm headed down the open road unknown. And we find what we're made of. Through the open door. Is it fear you're afraid of? What are you waiting for? Love alone is worth the
Well, hey there, friends. It's Tim Holt. Hey, if you are out in the plaza right now, this is your two-minute warning to come either sit inside or outside on the plaza. But if you are listening to my voice, that means come on inside. It's time to get started. Grab that coffee, say bye-bye to your friends for now, or invite them to come sit with you, and let's come do service together. Good morning, Seacoast. My name is Tim. What a joy to worship with you all this morning. If you're outside of the plaza, come on in. Otherwise, stand on up. Let's go on ahead and worship the Lord together today.
go. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay out of your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. so fun this morning as we were starting worship. It was a little early for me. I don't know if you guys get your tongue twisted up whenever it's early. I said that we're going to praise ship God this morning, you know, praise and worship, but like together. So if we could adopt that, I think our service will be like 10 seconds faster to get us out earlier. Anyway, hey friends, I'm so excited to be here with y'all this morning. It's just great to know that even when you look across the room, you may see someone that you don't recognize yet. Of course, I'd encourage you to meet them, but isn't it cool that we're all just here under one purpose to worship God together? That's so cool. Like to me, it just blows my mind that people from all over North County come together 
be all the way from Fallbrook. I know Ryan comes from Encinitas, and we've got people coming from South. But we're just all here to worship God in this place, and that's awesome. So as we join in that accord together, would you bow your heads with me? And if you're new, you don't have to, but if you're in Christ and with him, would you just bow your heads? Because we're just going to focus on the Lord right now in a moment, just saying, God, we're just going to give this to you. So would you bow your heads? Friends, we're going to sing a song called King of My Heart that I love. And the reason I love it is because the language is so simple and it's so today. We're going to sing lines like, you are good, that you're never going to let me down. And it's lines like this that remind me that I'm talking to a God that's not the God of 500 years ago, not the God of big tall cathedrals, although he is that God. He's also the God of today, that he can speak to my heart as a 28-year-old dad of two, just like he can speak to your heart. And so in this moment, I'm going to ask that we would ask ourselves the really important question. Is there anything holding you back from worship this morning? Is there anything, a sin in your life from the past week? Is it something crazy coming up this next week that you're anxious about? Is it maybe a strife and conflict happening today? What's holding you back from fully expressing your worship to the Lord? Would you just take a moment where you're at in the silence of this time, not worrying about people around you, just to say, hey, God, I'm giving this stuff to you. Whatever it is, I'm going to lay it at your feet so that I can worship you for everything that you are. Just take a moment. We'll take about 30 seconds and then jump in.
never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let. Sing it out, church. Come on, here we go. say, Tim, I want you to think back on the last month. Where's God shown up in your life? Where's he been good to you? And there's something about just remembering. So friends, I want you to just take a moment where you are. Think back in the last month, the last six weeks. Where did God show up? Where did he show that he was good even when things seemed dark? Take a moment and just grasp onto that memory. you didn't before, you won't now. So friends, can we declare that we have a God who's never going to let us down? You're never going to never going to let me down. You're never going to never going to let me down. You're never going to never going to let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. And Jesus, that's true. As we gather in one accord to worship you and learn more about who you are, God, we declare that you're never gonna let us down, that you care about us, that you love us. We can look back, God, recognize where you've been, and we can look ahead and anticipate what you're gonna do. And we're so excited dive deeper into worship with you today through learning more about your words. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Well, friends, it's awesome to have you here. You can take a seat.
think we're there. All right. Well, hi. <laughs> good morning. Hey, a couple things for you. So it's so good to just start off and remember those words. And I hope for you as we sing them that sometimes it can be so routine to just state a bunch of words. But we want them to be just be truth that even if you're not feeling it, that it's truth that as you speak it, you're reminded that, oh, yeah, God is good, that he doesn't let me down. And that's not always how it feels, uh, but we believe that to be true. So I love proclaiming that truth. Uh, with you this morning. A couple things for you. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad to have you here with us today. Um, it, we have a couple ways that we'd love to hear from you so that we can follow up and learn more about your story and journey with you. There is, in, if you are in this room, there's a QR code right in front of you on your seat. If you hit that, it'll take you to a, a connect card and uh, let us know whatever information you're comfortable sharing and the best way to communicate with you and we'll get back to you. And uh, again, we don't sell this info. This info is for us to journey with you and find out more about you and how we can come alongside you in your walk. Uh, also, we'd love to meet you in the back. Uh, there's a guest services table after the service. We'd love to meet you there. And if you are online uh, or anyone else, you can always go to respond.church. There's a connect card right at respond.church. You can let us know you're there as well uh, for us to be able to journey with you. So we encourage you to do that. Uh, a couple things for you. First of all, uh, we, uh, I was just this weekend up at Palomar with a bunch of our men. We have a men's retreat going on right now. Uh, so they send you their greetings. So uh, they're up there in the mountains, uh, you know, shooting guns, shooting uh, bows and arrows. And uh, no one, well, one, one person got hit with an arrow. But other than that, it was, it's been going well. It's, uh, they're having a great time. And uh, everyone's really, it's been cool to see God just working and setting hearts free and and so we encourage you, would you continue to pray with us for the men who are up there? It's been just already a great weekend, and uh, they'll be coming home later today. So it's fun uh, to see that happening, what God's doing there. A couple things I want you to know about. Uh, there's these boxes up front here. Uh, every year we partner with the Community Resource Center. It's a, a, a local organization, and every year around holidays, they uh, sponsor this year. It's 900 families uh, who are in need uh, that we will be uh, partnering with them to provide some Christmas uh, items for them. Uh, we are doing adoptive family boxes, so they will receive a box of food, but then we're also going to, these boxes are actually the additional things that kind of give them a little bit more for a family and Christmas. So we're encouraging you, if you did not grab one of these last week, grab a box if you want to, and uh, bring it back by next Sunday. There's already a stack of them uh, forming over here. And uh, bring it back next Sunday so we can deliver it down in time for holiday baskets. We want to encourage you if you want to participate with that. It's a really good way to adopt a family here in San Diego. Feel free to adopt two families uh, if you want or more. And uh, so that's going on. couple other things. Can you believe it's already time for holidays to even talk about holidays? It, it, when it's 90 degrees outside, it gets me in the Christmas mood. So... Um, uh, all, next weekend, actually, we do a thing every year. After second service next weekend, we do a thing called Deck the Halls, where we Christmasify our campus. Now, that's a word, right? Christmasify? We're going to Christmasify the campus. It's called Deck the Halls. We want to invite you if you want to participate with us. Now, some of you would say, are you kidding me? You're decorating for Christmas next week. Isn't that a bit early? It's not even, it's sacrilegious to do it before Thanksgiving, and you're going to do it. But it's because when we come back the next Sunday, it'll be after Thanksgiving. So uh, if you want to participate with that, or if you just want free lunch, free lunch, come out. And you don't even have to have any skills. If you are skilled in being told where to hang things at home during Christmas time, which some of us, that is our gift, uh, then you can come out and there'll be someone who will direct you. And uh, we, we definitely read you the whole campus. It's kind of like Disneyland. 
you leave, and then you come back, and it's already Christmas time. So we're doing that next Sunday. Deck the halls. Encourage you to come to that if you want to help us. We, we always could use about 20 to 30 people to help. Finally, last thing, this Wednesday, uh, we uh, have a prayer ministry, a prayer team that meets uh, twice a month on the first and third Wednesday of the month. And uh, right now we have Micah and Haley in the back there are leading that ministry. Wave so we can all see. It's not hard to miss you in that Hawaiian shirt. So uh, lead, leading... <laughs> oh, sorry, your Belize shirt. Uh, leading that ministry, and uh, they'll meet this Wednesday, 7 a.m. in this room. And so if, they, if God puts on your heart to kind of prayer, pray, if that's one of your gifts and something that you enjoy doing, we encourage you to come out and be a part of that ministry this Wednesday, 7 a.m. Okay, that's, that's all from me. Um, we're going to do something. We're doing a little different style teaching today. And uh, before we jump into that, here's what we want you to do. Turn to someone around you and... Introduce yourself. You're going to have about a minute or two to say hello and answer this question. When is it okay to decorate for Christmas? Okay, when, when is the acceptable time? That's your question. You got a couple minutes. Say hello, and then we'll continue on. Welcome again. So we are in our series in the book of Acts called Family Stories. We're studying uh, stories of really the early Christian church and where we find ourselves in that journey or in that timeline of faith. And uh, this morning, you can see we're doing something a little different. From time to time, you will hear us say, uh, when we're teaching, we'll say, oh, the teaching team discussed this and one of the things that we are processing. Um, so what we want to do today is introduce you to some of the teaching team. And what that is for us is there's actually about eight of us who meet every week and we study the passages that will be taught a couple weeks down the road. And 
we look over the passage, we ask the, you know, kind of work through the text, we ask the question, hey, what, ultimately, what would this mean? What should we share? What does Seacoast need to hear? And we even ask questions like, what do they not need to hear? What is this not about? Um, but so we do that together. And so this morning, what we wanted to do is we wanted to introduce you to part of, half of the teaching team, and we were going to walk through this passage today as a teaching team, as a conversation, to kind of pull back the curtain and allow you to see what it is like a little bit for us each week. And, and there's two reasons why we want to do this. One, we want to teach today's passage to you, and, and we're going to do it in conversation format. The second reason we're doing this is because we believe very deeply that, we, that the scripture is accessible to all of us. And we want to be a church that's willing to open up the Bibles on our own, as a family, in your life group, or whatever it is. And sometimes you say, well, where do you even start? A lot of us maybe have had the experience where you say, I'm going to read the Bible, and you start reading it, and you're like, I know I just read four chapters. And while I read those four chapters, somehow I also thought of everything I need to do today. That was amazing. And you, you <laughs> kind of forgot what you just read. And, and, and that's okay. Uh, but we want to say, sometimes the question is, where do I even go? And so... That's what we want to do today is kind of model what we do as a team to, as we walk through the text. So it's going to be a little bit different than a normal Sunday. Uh, but I want to introduce you to the team starting at the end. There's Matt who teaches uh, on the stage here. And so part of our teaching team, Matt's one of our pastors of our life groups, young adults, discipleship, and uh, probably a lot of other things. And uh, I don't know what he does, but it's a lot more. <laughs> and uh, next to him, we have Felipe. Felipe is our newest pastor on staff. Uh, he's our community outreach pastor, and also will be responsible for, as we launch our new uh, Sunday morning worship gathering in Spanish, uh, Felipe will be leading that, and he's part of our teaching team. I'll translate for him this morning, so, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and next to me is Haley, uh, Haley Lyle, yeah, oh wow, she has a fan club, the wow. student ministry fan club for her, yeah. <laughs> So uh, Haley, uh, her fan club is our student ministry, so we're, we're glad to have her <laughs> apart. But uh, she is a graduate with her Bible degree from Wheaton College and is uh, not a staff member, but she's a part of our teaching team each week, and, and uh, we totally love the, the contributions that Haley makes, and so we're glad to have her uh, up here with us today Got to have, well. the, gotta have the soft feminine side of the team. That's right, you know, yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. And, and really our value in the teaching team is that there's different perspectives help us understand the full counsel of God. And so as we study these together, we gain insight and we say, oh, I didn't even think of it that way. And so mm. that's the value that we have. So allow me to pray for us and we're gonna jump right into our text. We're in Acts chapter 20. I wanna invite you to open your Bibles there or turn on your Bibles and tap there. And uh, we'll get started in just a moment. But pray with me. God, we thank you for today, and I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we uh, study the scripture, as we model even what it looks like to, to talk through a passage, God, would you speak to each one of us that we'd hear from you today? And we believe that you're alive, you're well, you're working in us. And so, Lord, we invite you into this place. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to jump right in. So Acts chapter 20, we're going to pick it up in verse 17, and, and Haley's going to read the first part of it for us, and then uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. So go ahead. All right. So Acts 20, starting in 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So this is talking about Paul sending for the elders of Ephesus. And when they came to him, he said... You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time 
From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was helpful and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And behold, oh wait, I'm supposed to stop there. Aren't oh, I? yeah, that's okay. Stop, that's stop, stop, stop. Sure. Yeah. We'll uh, get into the next part. No, yeah. no spoilers. Come on. Yeah, they're too far ahead. Uh, so one, one thing that we want, always want to do when you look at Scripture and you read a passage is you, you, the first question we always ask uh, is, okay, what are our questions? What is going on here? What do we need to know to understand this more? So for those of you taking notes or, or just kind of trying to process on your own, make sure, one, a great question to ask is, okay, why is this in here? Why do you think the author put this story or this passage and what is happening? And then we always ask, what do we need to know more about? That might be when we, we go to commentaries. Maybe we sometimes we go to the original language and, and kind of dive in deeper there. But you want to ask, what do we want to know more about? Now, we're going to help speed this up. by I, I kind of related this to like a cooking show. We're going to show you how to, you know, how to make a great dish. We already made it, and we already chopped up the onions, and it's ready to go, because we don't have time to tell you the, show you the whole process, but we'll tell you what we did in the process. Does that make sense? So here's where we are. Uh, the first thing we see here is it's Paul. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and what we see, two things we see is Paul's pattern of demonstrating and declaring the good news. In this, he's, this is his final words to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And if you've been following along in our series in the book of Acts, he's, we've spent several weeks kind of back and forth in and around Ephesus. And he has this deep connection there. We know he was there for three years. And so these are his final words. That In his mind, he's like, I'm never coming back here. So he sends to the leaders and says, I want to share this with you. And in it, he starts talking about his lifestyle among them. And so one thing we picked out, we said, oh, look, it's Paul's talking about his pattern of how he demonstrates and declares the good news. And so let's look at that first thing there of just that demonstration. Notice how he says uh, right there in verse 18, you know how I lived among you. You know how I lived among you. And then he kind of goes into that. And Matt, why don't you just kick us off here? What, what are some of your observations as you look at just how Paul launches into this and just his heart through this passage? Yeah, so when we ask those questions, typically like around the table, like what do we see? The answers that come are, at least for me, coming through personality. So for me, I, I love, whenever I see something relational in the text, I, I just love calling that out and pointing to it. And so, so we all kind of, we did have different personalities, and so we bring different things to it. And that's okay. I mean, for us, that's what the, kind of the beauty of... of I usually uh, point out the baseball references. Yeah, all the yeah. baseball yeah. references. <laughs> uh, so for me, that's the relational. There's twofold. It's relational, uh, first and foremost, the relational undertones that are just woven into this passage that Paul was known by these people. He didn't just parachute in one day, preach the gospel, and then say, peace out, you guys got it. It wasn't just a transfer of knowledge from one person to the next, but it was, a, it was life on life. And so there was, a, there was a context of relationships by which he did his ministry with them. They knew him. They, they, he knew them. They knew him. It was very relational. It was deep. There was a deep connection. 
And what's so important about that is that you can talk a lot about the gospel. You can talk a lot about grace from a theological level. You could be right. You could score 100% on the test of like, what is the gospel? But the gospel is not just information that we just we share. It is, it is. But it's also meant to be lived out and put on demonstration in the context of community. So the fact that he was there with them, he could say, you guys saw this. You saw this lived out. It wasn't just the message I gave you. You, you saw it in action. So that's the first thing, was there's this, a, the relational undertones, which I love uh, with that. And the other one is the clarity of goodbyes. Like when there's a, when you were saying farewell to someone, whether it's, you know, at the end of, you know, having the family come together for Thanksgiving or Christmas, everyone's kind of leaving. Maybe there, there's some goodbyes there. Maybe it's we're saying goodbye to a loved one. They, are, they, they pass away. You remember those last moments. You remember what was spoken, what was said. And goodbyes have a way of bringing tremendous clarity as to what this was all about. And I think about some of the times I've said goodbye, uh, you know, with people. I realize, man, I just squandered so much of our time together. Now I'm trying to cram it all in on those last few minutes. Oh, oh yeah, I love you, I love you. And by the way, if I ever told you, I think you're really great. It's just... Like, okay, I got to go. It's like, why didn't I take the time to, like, to have that conversation while we had plenty of time together? I don't know if that, anyone relates with that, but that's just the sense of, when I'm reading this, what comes out is, like, Paul is satisfied and he's settled with the way that he lived among, among them. There was nothing, there was no new information that he's adding to here. He's merely recalling, pointing back to, you guys saw it. You, you know, you saw me, you saw me live this out. He's just recalling that. And so there's really those two things, the relationship as the context for this ministry and the, the way that he, he was able to say goodbye with really no regrets. Like what, everything that needed to be said was said. Mm. So really those two things as demonstration through that relationship that stands out. That's great. Yeah, and either of you want to just add to what Matt just said there or correct him? What am I missing? <laughs> this is where you're wrong. <laughs> that happens too. <laughs> well, I think uh, it's the instances where Paul kind of talking to a lot of people saying, well, well like you said, uh, you know that what I'm telling you is true mm -hmm. because you've seen it in my own life. And that's just so important throughout this teaching. It's going to be that relationship connection yeah. that we all need to have to be able to even lead others to mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah, why don't we uh, keep going a little bit and notice what he says here when he says, you saw how I lived among you. And then, then he gives really what we kind of identified as there's three kind of aspects of how he described how he lived among them. Notice this, where he says it starting in verse 19. He says, serving the Lord with humility and tears. He said uh, in verse 19 also, enduring the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. So this was often in many of the cities he went to. There would be a, 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 a contingent of his own, you know, people, uh, as he was Jewish, who didn't believe in Jesus. So they would have these plots against him. So he endured those trials that came to him. And then the third part in verse 20 says, and I'm not shrinking back hmm. from declaring to you anything that was helpful. So those three things, serving the Lord with humility, enduring trials, not shrinking back. So when you when look at those, I think that just that, you know, the gives more color to that depth of what it looked like to demonstrate the good news among them. But Haley, when you see this, what, what stands out to you about these three uh, kind of points in how he lived? Yeah, um, 
for starters, just this past week in particular, in reading through this passage so many times, I've been really drawn to read um, Jesus's final words in the Last Supper, because there's this parallel where Paul is really giving his last words. He's like, I have done life with you, and now I'm leaving. It's not going to be easy for me, but it's so important for you guys to carry on what I started here. And there is this striking parallel with Paul, who is following Jesus's example and how Jesus led his disciples through that last supper and that parting before Jesus goes to the cross. And what stuck out to me so much was in the last supper, Jesus starts everything by washing the disciples' feet. It's like there is this act and this demonstration after Jesus has done life on life with his disciples for so long. He is now starting this goodbye with service and with humility. And in looking at Paul now doing this, saying, look at how I served the Lord among you, he starts with that word humility. It's with humility and with tears. And I've just been reflecting on humility really is this like key that allows us to be vulnerable and sincere where I see these tears coming in. You know, Jesus, or Paul really opened up his heart to these people. And humility, I think, is what allowed him to really open his heart up and have a soft heart that can receive them and receive what God is doing. It's humility that gives him the strength to endure these trials um, from, you know, the people, his own people, the Jews, um, who keep on trying to <laughs> kick him out of cities and stone him and all of these things. We've been following it through Acts this whole time. Um, but it's humility that allows him to keep a soft heart towards God and what God is doing through him, even when it's hard, even when it's confusing and frustrating. And to not shrink back to declare what is true and helpful and edifying, that takes humility. Um, to be able to demonstrate, you know, with love um, the truth and to do that in a way that creates a safe space where people can ask questions and come back and have some disagreements and seek the truth together. So humility is definitely yeah. something that comes out to me here. That's great. Yeah, when I see this, and there's just such depth of relationship when you see humility and tears, and you kind of think of, like, what, what is that like? And, and is there any other place where we see that with Paul? And he in a letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, we found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he said, I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. But I want you to get this part. Not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. And it's amazing to see this depth of love that Paul has for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think when we come to these passages then as we're studying in Scripture, we want to ask questions when we see it is like, oh, how does this apply in my life then? Is there anything in here that translates? Like, what is shaping Paul, and what is God shaping him into? And this depth of love, and I think of the church. Think of how challenging this last year and a half has been inside and outside the church, right? Think of how challenging it's been with all these different perspectives, and how difficult is it to, to walk with each other with this depth of love, and without this 
this sincere concern for each other, like, we're lost. Mm. We're so lost. And so I love Paul's just this depth of, like, no, I want you to know my love for you is so deep. And that's what then compels him to share what he wants to share. Because we're living in a world when people are not afraid. They don't shrink back from saying what they want to say. Would you agree? <laughs> like, just go online. No one's shrinking back from saying what they want to say. But they're not doing it with humility. They're not doing it with love as a motivation. It's to be right. Hmm. And it's to be strong. And it's to make sure everyone knows that I'm on top. It's the opposite of what we're seeing here. So I love this kind of how Paul addresses it here. When we look at this, uh, Felipe, what do you think about this? Wait, can I say something really quick? Oh, yeah, yeah, jump in. On on, uh, Just to kind of double down on that. Uh, First of all, Humility, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about our own humility, but <laughs> I guess we can, since Paul did it. Yeah, that's so uh, humble. That's so, I'm so humble. I'm so lo- that's my, like, my strength. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, that it was through opposition from the Jews. There was opposition that he was faced. So, you know, you think about, uh, we, we said it before, but the, the flavor of tea comes out in hot water. You know, that the flavor of what's going on in you will be revealed in, in times of opposition. And so it's kind of cool that the times of opposition that Paul received and he was in, it gave a chance for these things to be expressed, this humility and these tears and his passion. It was expressed not uh, because there was no opposition, but because there was. Mm, it just yeah. provided the occasion. So it's kind of a cool reminder for us that the opposition or the tough di- uh, circumstances that we're going through merely provide an opportunity for people to see this life, this Christ life, lived out and expressed. And that's what he's pointing people back to. You guys, you know that I went through some hard stuff, and you saw what came out. Yeah, so it's a great point. It's a really good point. Yeah. Back to you, Felipe. Yes. All right. <laughs> what was the question? And, uh, <laughs> the answer is Jesus. That's all that <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just share a little bit on when you look at that. When we were talking about what does it look like to not shrink back from sharing anything helpful, because I think we have to understand that full phrase of anything helpful. Um, a lot of people don't shrink back from sharing mm. things that might not be helpful. But when we're when you're thinking about that, what kind of resonates with you there? What thoughts do you have? Yeah, I think we're, we're always tempted to take a step back from sometimes what we want to say, but also even what we want to live, meaning following Jesus may be offensive to other people, so we take a step back from it, uh, sometimes by that fear of what if I'm, if I'm rejected, the same way that you know family, friends, uh, peers, they're rejecting Jesus, what if they reject me? So... Uh, I love how he says, I, I didn't shrink back. I did not hold back or took a step back from telling you everything that you needed to hear. And it's such an example for us, even today, even in our culture and the message around the world, um, for us to take a stand on the truth and what it truly means to follow Jesus, um, not caring that we're going to offend those that are rejecting the Lord. Now, again, we can do this, and this is the balance of the humility, mm-hmm. right? We can do it with yeah. humility. We can do it with love, just like Paul did, uh, and just like the Lord himself showed us, because obviously Jesus did not take a step back from being him, even though he was being rejected mm-hmm. and, and threatened, and thousands walked away from Jesus because he stood firm on the truth, and and it's, it's it's so important for us today, especially to be that light, to be that light that shines in the darkness, that brings uh, truth in the midst of confusion, 
Um, and, and, and to ask that question, Lord, what does it truly mean for me to not take a step back, even within my family, mm. to take a, a stand for who you are in me as a father, as a mother, as a son and daughter, right, as a, as a uh, husband, as a wife. Lord, teach me how to be accountable to you first and not take a step back from what you've called me to be. And it's a hard thing to mm. do. Right, it, it, we're always battling from not taking a step back, and and also in in leadership within the church, um, for us as uh, when we teach and all, and it happens all over. Let's just say America right now is happening a lot that a lot of speakers, uh, they're teaching. They only teach what they very well know. People just want to hear, right? And that that can be very harmful. It sounds beautiful to the ear. Uh, but it can be very harmful to the heart because what is more dangerous than a lie is a half-truth. So if someone takes a step back from the full truth, then that can be very deceiving. And, and Paul is just a great example on that, on that, on that subject as well. So mm. let's not shrink back. <laughs> All right. What's the opposite of shrink, uh, shrinking back? Not shrinking back. Yeah. <laughs> Very insightful. Yeah, clear, clear, concise use of my yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grow forward. Yeah. You know? I, I think of that too, you know, again, as you're reading a text, one of the questions you might think of through, if you see that Paul didn't shrink back, you would want to ask, well, what was it? He wasn't, like, what was he saying that was helpful? But then I would say another question. When you get down to like, yeah, how does this really start to speak to me? Is what are the things that you don't want to hear that you need to, and sometimes we can think, oh, I know it's helpful, but I don't want to hear it right now. Um, we're kind of resonating, thinking about that, and even just like, you know, there's such a temptation, even in teaching, like, we love to hear messages of comfort um, versus contentment. We want to hear like, oh, what makes us feel good as Americans, what makes us feel good as Encinitans or San Diegans, whatever we are, and, and the and sometimes comfort is, like, that's barely a message. In fact, I don't think it's ever a message in Scripture. Yeah. Like, God just wants you to be really comfortable. Um, but it's so easy to, to hold back because, gosh, we don't want to hear, sometimes we don't want to hear the things that call us to the edge of comfort. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, what would keep me from speaking something that's helpful is more fear of being wrong or fear of saying it the wrong way. I tend to really overthink if there's conflict that I need to address. Um, I tend to be really hard on myself, too, of saying, okay, can I say this just the perfect way to really be loving? Because I really don't want to mess up in those mm. situations. Um, but that's also going back to humility and love and just the way that you're living your life I think that those are all safeguards that create an environment where we can really speak truth and love. And for me, like, when it comes down to it, I just have to know, like, I'm not perfect and that's okay. And I'm going to do the best I can and hope that the words are received. But there's this, like, such, such a need for that, like, humility um, and love to know we can do this and the Lord will work <laughs> we yeah. don't have to be perfect yeah mm. yeah i think matt you said it um when we looked at this originally he said uh, one of the quotes that, he, that came out was just it's cool when you're in a relationship where they love me enough to tell me something that's helpful but then they know that um 
I love them enough to accept what's being said, too. Mm. So there's just this depth of relationship. And again, we want to be careful. If you don't have a relationship, if there's no depth, there's no love, like that, that determines the level of honesty you can have with someone. So, um, and people have it opposite right now, where they're on Instagram, they're very honest because they have such depth of relationship with you. <laughs> and again, Paul is showing that example by saying, you know me. Yeah. Yeah. I've done all these things among you, and that's why I don't take a step back from telling the truth. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Same thing in personal relationships, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's well, let's continue on with the text. So let's go back in Acts chapter 20 and pick it up in verse 22 and read through 27. All right. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's great. So here in this passage, we looked at the first part. He said, you know how I lived among you. That was that demonstration of the good news. But now look at this second part. He's saying it's the declaration. So what is, and we noticed in this part, there's a couple things that stand out as far as what he was declaring to them. And there was a couple. It was one was repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. We see that in verse 21. And then in verse 24, after Paul says like, hey, you know what? My life is of no account to me because my main thing is to communicate this truth to you. And so the second part of declaration was testifying of the gospel of God's grace. And so we have this, he's, he's proclaiming this repentance towards God and faith in Jesus and then this gospel of God's grace. That's what he's declaring that follows what he was um, living. So, Matt, you want to kind of go on that a little bit and talk about that? Yeah, it's so important for us to see that there's not only demonstration, but there's also a declaration. Because uh, it's really easy for us to kind of fall and, and kind of emphasize one over the other. Uh, there, there's the, you know, I'm just going to demonstrate, live out my faith, which is so important. And then there's, I'm just going to talk about it and declare it. But one without the other is kind of just, it's weakening the whole. And so the guy, we have to think of this as two sides of the, the same coin. Because uh, I think there's been... Well, there's the quote that a lot of us know uh, from, it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel always, uh, use words if necessary. And so there's this idea of like, I'm just going to live this whole thing out um, and then use words if necessary. But here's the thing, the gospel is meant to be lived out, that the implications are deep and they're, they're all of life, but the gospel literally means good news. And news is not just meant to be uh, expressed, really. It's meant to be declared. You know, news is meant to be announced. And so there's, they both are so important. Demonstrating it because of the implications of it all, it sets us free to express these, this in everyday life. But also, it, there's a, comes a point in time for all of us where we w- want to be able to articulate the gospel. And what's cool about these passages here, what Paul's ministry and what he's referring back to with his friends here, is that it's not just some fuzzy spirituality, like 
God's like so big and, you know, let's just talk about God. No, it's, it's faith in Jesus Christ. It's the, the gospel of the grace of God, you know, through Christ. And so there's this ex- exclusiveness to it. That's not just some fuzzy spirituality, but it's very specific. It's about Jesus. And Paul's ministry, he's been, he was consistent in pointing people back to, to Jesus and articulating what he accomplished. Uh, the word repentance at times feels like a triggering word for me <laughs> because of probably how I grew up. What are your guys' thoughts? Like, wh- what is repentance? Can we just give a quick definition for that? Yeah, turn or burn. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we hear, right? Yeah, yeah, you hear that, and I know someone who used to have a, a t-shirt uh, that said that, and so, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it, it can feel, it can feel so much like the street corner preacher, um, which it, it's, it's not a bad message, but sometimes it can come across without relationship, you know, and it can come across of that question of what am I turning from, and what am I turning to, sometimes, mm-hmm. so, yeah, what do you guys? Well, it has, um, eternal implications when we say repentance, where even if you say, well, I apologize, it's kind of like in the mm-hmm. same thing, right? But it's so much suffering. So when we hear repent, it's more of a recognize, turn around and see where you're standing, that if you continue on the, on, on the road that you're on, there are eternal consequences. So that's why I think our tendency is to say, yeah, I don't want to repent per se, because that's going to question who I am and where I'm at. Uh, and, and that's why I think we tend to kind of push it aside a little bit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I can sometimes think when I hear repentance, that moment when I realize I'm convicted on something or I've been in the wrong and I need to apologize to God or to a person. And that feeling never feels that great. Like, <laughs> it's just kind of, oh, dang it. Like, I did it again. And acknowledging it is uncomfortable um but when i think of repentance as a whole that's just one moment and truly what repentance is is that joy of coming back to the lord and coming back into his love and receiving from him all that he wants to give us and joining back into that life that he has for us and um, repentance with people asking forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness like that is joy and life and so good and up until that moment that we repent we don't get to enjoy all of that and so really repentance is turning around and running back to what is so good and life-giving um, so and the biggest uh, barrier for most of us is probably us believing that we will be forgiven Hmm. for whatever it is that we have done. We don't want to turn around because we are fearful that, is the Lord really going to forgive me? Does he truly know everything I've done? And and the gospel is all about letting us know he already knows and he loves you anyways. Yeah, that's great. I want to point out as we kind of get closer to the end here, but point out, notice it's repentance is, is a word literally means to turn or to change your mind, but it's repenting towards God, and it's faith in Jesus, and I think sometimes it, if we're not careful, we can become be- behavior modification. Oh, I know I need to turn from this one behavior and replace it with a new good behavior, which God does that in our lives. You know, he, he does replace it, but he's, it's turning towards, our process of turning towards God is where then he shapes and changes and starts working out something new, and you can repent 
without have, including God at all. So I'd be careful and remember like, oh, we're returning from our sin. We're turning from those things in our lives that keep uh, pulling at our old self and we're turning towards God. Hmm. And, and it's through faith in Jesus that we can do this. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence. That is who our God is. So uh, let's, let's kind of get to the end here. And uh, as, you, as you look at this, notice in verse 24, Paul says, I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish the course of the ministry which I received from the Lord. That's to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. So he, Paul's saying, hey, my life, I, listen, I lived among you. I, I, I preached all this. And I know I'm going to Jerusalem. And all I know is trials and hardships await for me. And for most of us, if that's what we knew, we'd go like, well, maybe I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> but Paul says, I don't care about that. What comes my way, that's fine, because I'm called to proclaim the gospel of God's grace. Felipe, when you, you hear that, wh what does that kind of speak to you? Well, yeah, the, the confidence of knowing that whatever comes ahead, um, even if it's not what we want, even if it's not what we've been dreaming about and praying for, um, there's freedom in being able to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you anyways. I'm going to um, give up everything that I've been thinking about that I should receive and how you should behave. Um, so I'm always encouraged by seeing not just this example, but so many others. And not just from Paul, but so many other people as well, just completely trusting the Lord, especially not knowing what's coming up ahead. And I think that describes all of our lives, right? We're all called to, to find that joy, that uh, freedom, in knowing that he is in control. Just like he's been in the past, always in control, he will be in control in the future, and we can rest in that truth. That's great. Mm -hmm. Haley, when you think of what Paul's life, what got him to that point, to be able to proclaim that, what are some thoughts? That... Yeah, um... Yeah, it's something that has really stuck out to me about this passage. And even going a few verses earlier, he says, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. It's like this word is like bound or imprisoned by the Spirit. Um, knowing, fully knowing, because God is telling him, you know, I will be imprisoned and there will be inflictions. And if you read the rest of Acts, that's what happens. Um, and so knowing, you know, he, he has wound his life so closely with the Lord that the Lord is telling him this, inviting him into this journey, and he's like, I have no choice. I'm so close to God. I have yielded and surrendered my life so much to God that this is where I'm going. And I have to be honest, when I read that, there's something in me that actually kind of envies that closeness and that intimacy with God. It's like he has gotten to the place where his life is so surrendered to God that what he values and what he is focused on is purely what the Lord has set out for him. And I think in life we have a lot of things that we value and that are really important. And I think, you know, security and well-being and you know your welfare your family's welfare that's all really important stuff that's all really valuable but what i see in paul's life is there's something more valuable than that and that is why he's willing to sacrifice that to follow the lord into this hard place 
And so when I think about that, I wonder, you know, what are, what were those decisions in his life to cultivate that heart of surrender to receive this next step that God has for him? And I can't help but think it's just what we're cultivating every day in all of these little moments. It's like, am I in this moment choosing to yield to God and what God is doing? Or am I choosing to cultivate a heart that is going after what I want and what I think I need and looking out for myself or my family or whatever that may be? And it really comes down to this long life practice of cultivating a heart that's yielded to God. So That's great. Yeah, I love that thought that it wasn't like his, that's how he started his faith. But, you know, it's, it's, this is 20, 30 years in of, of practicing that. Matt, yeah. final words. Any, any, any final thoughts for us here? Final thoughts. It, I think just to piggyback on that idea of surrender, when we talk about surrender as, as Christians, uh, the biggest surrender comes at salvation. The biggest surrender is you being put on the cross with Jesus, crucified, buried, to be raised to the newness of life. And it's that act of surrender that is meant to inform and fuel and be the impetus for us to live this life. Because Paul later, I mean, he says that, hey, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the life that I live, that you see me living here in my body in the flesh, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so really the, the, the act of surrender can, it really is an expression of what has happened at the core of our being at salvation. That we have become radically new and Christ has come to dwell in us. And that, that is the place where we are anchored and we are secure and we are safe. And so now life excuse me, with all the ups and the downs, the twists and turns, it's all really to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul got to this place of where I think it's because of the reality of who he was at the core and where he was seated, that he was seated with Christ in the, heaven, in the heavenly realms, that there's this place his identity was safe and secure, and just the, the, uh, everything that he went through was able to just be an expression of that ultimate reality and so I think for the same thing is for us, the same good news that he preached, that he demonstrated, that he declared, it's the same thing for us today. And I just want to call out one, one thing right here real quick, is that Paul, he spoke to these Ephesian elders. He didn't tell them to go on a mission trip. He didn't say, go surrender, you know, live a surrendered life and go out and go all over the world. No, they went back home to Ephesus. They went back home and they were planted there to live this out in everyday life. And so it's easy for us to think that this life of surrender and all of this stuff is it's about going out and doing a lot. But really, it's about us living out the, express, the expressing, expressing this reality of Jesus in us who wants to live his life through us in all of life. Yeah, that's great. Well, good. Well, as the worship team, we're going to uh, end there and have the worship team make their way back up. And thank you, teaching team, for, for sharing in this message this morning. Um, yeah, you can... Great insight every week. I always looked forward to that time. It's, it's such a joy. Um, I want you to, I want to point out verse 28. Paul 
is writing, then he goes to the, to the elders in Ephesus, and he says this, be on guard for yourselves. In other words, you've heard this message, so watch your own lives, and for the whole church, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, and then to shepherd or to pastor the church of God, to care for it. Now, look at this last phrase, which, which he purchased with his own blood. I want you to get that. Today is, is a day where we're going to uh, actually take communion. But sometimes when we get to communion, when we, think of, uh, when we think of these stories, we look at Paul, oh yeah, my life, I don't know what is ahead, and, and I might die, uh, trials or persecutions await me, that's the life that's for me. Sometimes I read these stories and I think, is there any connection to that and to our Christianity today? Or is, is this life of total surrender, this life of adventure, this life being called into something bigger than yourself? Or are we just like being called into an hour and a half on a Sunday morning? Is that the extent of it? And, and, and I want you to get what he said. This is the church which Jesus purchased with his own blood. Well, who did he purchase? The, ch the church is you and me. It's, the, it's the followers of Jesus. Who did he purchase it from? See, there's this notion that, that Jesus died on the cross to appease his angry father who just wanted blood because he's such a mean, angry God. But actually, Scripture's telling us he's, he, he's purchasing, purchasing us from what? From sin and from death, from the grips of the evil one. From Satan himself who was defeated. Christ's death on the cross did something. And he's invited us then into this life of surrender and of adventure and of just, we're, he, we have the victory, but now we're called into the battle. And there's a disconnect sometimes from this church and ours, modern Christianity, of comfort, convenience, of just, Ryan, aren't we supposed to be done? I got to get my fancy football checked in on, I, you know, I mean, Brunch reservations, what is going on? No, we are the people that Jesus purchased with his blood. That, that's violent. That means something. We're invited into something so much deeper, so much more. Something that causes us to say, I don't know what lies ahead, but all that matters is the mission that God's called me to is to declare and to demonstrate the gospel of his grace. And if I lose a few followers on Instagram, if I have some hardships, if I have some kids in my class, friends who look at me like you're crazy, if it even costs me some of my finances and maybe even some our lives, okay. Isn't that more exciting than the isn't that life of faith more interesting? Doesn't that seem to match up with being purchased with the blood of Christ? I don't think he went to the cross for an hour of entertainment every week. But for a life of adventure. Walking with him. So we're going to go and we're going to take communion. And here's how we're doing it today. The teaching team wants to serve it to you. So there'll be four of us, uh, two on each side. I want to invite you to come up and grab the elements. And you can take them by yourself. You can take them with, uh, as a family, with a life group. You can take them and spread out around the room, return to your seat, however you want to do it. Take these elements, and when we do it, we're remembering the bread is the body of Christ. The life he lived, the death he died, and his resurrection. It really happened. We do this to re be reminded that it was a real thing. 
And then the blood of Christ, the juice reminds us of the blood shed, purchased you and me to give us new life. And it's a covenant in his blood is how scripture talks about it, meaning a promise that can't be broken. Your failures, your doubts, your stumblings, all of that cannot undo what Christ did on the cross. And that promise is in there. So we're going to, at your own pace, go take an, uh, the communion elements, take co- communion around the room, and then come back and finish up. We'll, we'll just stand where you are and sing this last song with us after you take communion at your own pace. So let's continue.
I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am. Is tremendous, tremendous truth, God, of the, of the forgiveness that we have in you, the newness of life that we have in you, that this, this meal that we just shared, the, the, the bread and the cup, Lord, it's not a meal that says, uh, I'm going to get busy for you, God. I'm going to get busy living for you. But it's a meal in remembrance of the life that you lived for us. God, press that truth down deep into every little nook and cranny of our hearts. God, we thank you for purchasing us. Thank you for rescuing us, that we have not been left alone. And thank you that today we can stand with boldness, with confidence, with assurance, knowing that we are yours. God, the blood that you shed for us was sufficient. Your body on the cross for us was sufficient, Lord. The, the cross worked the first time. No repeat necessary. The resurrection worked. God, today, you dwell in us. And may we, as a church family, Lord, may we live each day expressing that reality in everyday life. So I thank you for the way that you, you called us, the way that you have dwelt in us. Lord, it's so good to be yours. It's so good to be a family. I thank you for this church and for the opportunity that we have to partner together as family, Lord, to put you on display and to declare the good news of your grace in Jesus Christ. And pray this in your name. Amen. So, so good being with you guys. Thank you uh, for either putting up with this or, and get, I don't know, but we hope it went well and that you're walking away with some good things to think about. Uh, if you haven't gotten a box yet, please feel free to come up and grab one or two, and we'll see you guys back here next week. Love you. Bye.